Welcome to the Fantasy Jones. I'm Carlos Marion, and I'm here with Frank Amarante from the Game Day. Frank, I know you put a bunch of bets in this weekend. How did your How did your fantasy football Sunday go? Well, fantasy football hit or miss. Uh, one of my teams is 0-3, but has sixth most points, which kind of sucks. You hate that bad luck, especially when it's not. You know, some leagues have it where you face someone, you get a win or loss for that. And then if you outscore the league median for that week, you get another win or loss. So it's so if you're the top, basically if you're the top six scorer uh, each week, you get an additional win. So that helps in the event where you get total bad luck like I am here. So that kind of sucked. But uh, my bets, I had my best week of the season. Uh, pretty solid, four and two against the spread, 20 and 14 on props. It was a pretty good uh, week. We have been almost sort of came close to a long shot parlay uh kyle pitts 100 plus yards he had like 80 at halftime or something stupid and rashad penny 100 plus rushing yards again the seahawks abandoned the run i don't know what like the who the hell thought that they would be this pass heavy with geno smith after losing russell wilson i can't believe it but we'll see and i'm just happy to move on to week four and talk about do our our usual weekly rundown let Gino cook is are, you think they're just doing it to mess with Russ's head look what you missed <laughs> maybe <laughs> they just maybe they just have understood that it's it is like in most cases it's better to be more pass heavy but I think for them I think they're doing it all wrong their defense is extremely weak they they have two really good running backs they could try to establish the run a little more keep their defense off the field and mask their weakness there and but I don't know we'll see against the Lions the Lions have been giving up some nice runs to opposing running backs so hopefully this is the week that he jumps yeah. out in front and hits hits on some of these props that you're putting on but like you said it's time to start the rundown and this week we have Cincinnati and Miami facing off Thursday night, Frank. Is this going to be a Thursday night banger? Uh, for me, I think Cincinnati is going to really roll in this game. Uh, Tua is banged up. He might not even play. So that would leave Teddy Bridgewater starting. And obviously, if Bridgewater starts, we have to downgrade Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. It's not confirmed yet, but it could start to look that way. Uh, even if Tua plays, he, he might not be at his... Uh, top performance here so I, I think this is a game where the Bengals really build off what they showed last week in uh, really being successful through the air Joe Burrow uh, 275 yards and three touchdowns last week you know Tyler Boyd had 105 yards and a touchdown Jamar Chase really slowed down by rookie Sauce Gardner who looks great uh, but I think that means for me that it just feels like a Jamar Chase big game is on the horizon. We saw him have a nice one in week one, 10 catches, 129 yards and a touchdown. I could see something similar against the Dolphins here because they have given up uh, a lot of points through the air. We look against quarterbacks, they're allowing the most fantasy points. And against wide receivers uh, in PPR leagues, they are in the bottom third. They're... Right now, uh, well, they're 18th, but if in terms of fantasy points, 
But if we look at yards per target, they're, they're allowing 8.86, which ranks 24th. So they're vulnerable through the air. We saw Rashad Bateman get loose downfield against them in week two. I think we're going to see that from Chase here. And with Chase, you, you know, leading the league in, in routes run, every like he salvages week last week with a touchdown. And, you know, what is it, the second consecutive week that T. Higgins has out-targeted him, which is uh, a little bit surprising. But in terms of the way Chase plays, he is the big play down the field yeah. threat. So that's – you'd expect that, right? So – yeah, so I think coming off a game where he only had 29 yards, I always love it. I love taking those really alpha receivers when they come off a really slow game. So especially when the matchup is right, like here, I think uh, Chase puts up 100 and a touchdown this week. Yeah, there's always chance for, even if we you checked his props, hopefully yeah. it, it, the yardage will be do down. Oh, I will say. Sorry to interrupt, but it goes along with what you're saying. I decided a good idea while we wait for props to be released is we could go look at underdog fantasy because they have it out early. They have pick em contests where you could bet over or under. And obviously, like they're not going to be exactly the same as a sports book, but it's a good it's a good number to look at to get a gauge of what to expect once you know FanDuel, DraftKings, and the like start to release the lines. And I saw Jamar Chase was around 72 and a half, which is definitely more palatable, more appealing because often with these stud receivers like a Jefferson, like an Adams, like a Diggs, like a Cup, it's often in the 80 range, even 90. So you like getting that below 75. I'll be on that prop for sure. Yeah, I like how you mentioned those receivers because when you see Jefferson 91, Cup is usually in the 90s. When you're talking about one of the top elite wide receivers to get him at a 76, you know, we could come back to next week and say, oh, he only got 61 yards. So, yeah, it does seem like a, a really good value at 76. Might as well go for it. Next, we have the first London game of the year. Always exciting. Minnesota and New Orleans. Frank. What are you looking at in this game? Well, in this game, for one, I, I love what I saw to Chris Olave. He had that breakout game that we had envisioned after he put up 300 air yards in week two. He looks like he's joining that elite tier of rookie wide receivers with Garrett Wilson and Drake London. Olave had nine catches for 147 yards. Another game with double-digit targets, 13 to be exact. And Michael Thomas uh, was banged up with, with a toe injury. He's likely to play, but he, he's questionable this week. Jarvis Landry uh, dealing with a foot injury. So Olave looks great, and he takes he's in an exploitable matchup against Minnesota. Looking on to the Vikings, uh, the big question is, will Dalvin Cook play? He nicked up his shoulder, and that's bad news. He always seems to get banged up every year, even, the, even if he plays. A lot of times you just have to deal with uh, the questionable status and uh, is he going to be limited if he does suit up? That's the issue there. But uh, I want to see if – because if he's out, Alexander Madison becomes a really nice top 20, maybe higher top 15 option, even though the Saints run defense is very good. 
Madison would just be a smash. And you and I have him in one of our NFFC leagues. So it would be definitely helpful to us there. Obviously, you want Dalvin Cook to play. He's a stud. But that's the pertinent fantasy news that I have here. That that poor shoulder. There were even reports from, I can't remember who said it. But just mentioning that, speaking around people in the in the Vikings organization, they were really worried about the shoulder in particular. And to see that it's already been dislocated or whatever exactly happened, apparently he's going to try and play through it. He's done it in the past. But at the same time, it gets me really weary of if to, if I had him to actually start him with confidence, he may get the workload or he may be preserved because you know how much they want to use him all all over the field, like in terms of uh, with his usage. So you, you'd have to imagine that they might di- dial it back regardless if he pl- plays or not, right? So it's a big question mark. And especially, I love the point that you brought up with Olave. Last week, we talked about it. But again, like these astronomical air yardage numbers just keep piling up. And he seems like he's going to be another like you said, elite tier wide receiver for these rookies. But who knows? Maybe he might even be the best one of them all just in terms of how we know Jameis likes to throw and how they're scheming up in this offense. Exactly. All right, Frank, let's go on to the Chargers, the Chargers and the Texans. How do you, uh, we saw Herbert try to, play through his injury and didn't seem too spectacular. Do you think it's a bounce back game for him? No, I actually like the Texans in this game against the spread. I took them at plus five and a half. They're now, it's now down to five. And the issue is Herbert's not healthy. He's not at his top form playing through this injury. Keenan Allen might not play. Uh, You know, they lost for Sean Slater. They're promising left tackle. J.C. Jackson, their top corner, may be out again. They're also out with Joey Bosa. They're also out Joey Bosa in this game. So it's really bad news for the Chargers, a team that I had real high hopes for, looking like a slow start for them. You look at the Texans; they they played in close games in each of their three weeks. Even though they lost by three to the Bears, they tied the Colts. They lost by seven to the Broncos. They're kind of pesky. Even they're that pesky bad team. And their pass defense has been quite good. The rookie, Stingley, the first-rounder, the cornerback, he's been playing well. And the key here is, you know, this Texans team beat the Chargers last year. Rex Burkhead ran for hundred over 140 yards in that game. So that leads me to who I like here a lot, and that's Damian Pierce. He's delivering on that preseason hype. has that full workload that we had expected. It, it's here. And he looked really good against the Bears. Uh, He rushed for 80 yards and a touchdown on 20 carries. Also was targeted twice. The Chargers run defense. They haven't really fixed that issue. Uh, James Robinson looked great against them. Ran all over them. Went for 100 yards and a touchdown on only 17 carries. Losing Joey Bosa could hurt them in in stopping the run as well. So I really like Damian Pierce to keep it rolling this week. Looking at the Chargers, 
I believe I read that Brandon Staley said they need to give Austin Eckler more touches. I'm just going to try to pull it up. Like he and, and it makes sense because they're taking him off the field too often for guys like Sony Michelle. This is a team that is dealing with injuries. They need to depend on Eckler. And he's really been heavily targeted in the last two weeks. Texans are an exploited, uh, an exploitable matchup for so it's a that's where they could get beaten is on the ground. And I think Eckler will have a real nice game and deliver on why you took him in the first round this week. But great points with the Chargers. I really worry about Eckler regardless, especially you said Slater's out. The offense has been stale the past uh few weeks and we don't know like his usage is just scary disgusting right it's it's something that if you use that really high top five pick you're you're praying for something different but are they it's like last year when you look at Eckler he was such a great value a lot of people took him in the second round of drafts and he exploded and now you see him as a top five pick and you're you're watching the usage just dwindle away, especially with the reports from the offseason that they he himself wanted to scale back his his workload. And maybe we're seeing that come to fruition. And this is just what it's gonna be like like a scrappy a scrappy fifteen fantasy points as like a, a max, right? And who knows? And maybe this is the type of week to kind of get back into it. I know you said that uh, you really like the Texans, but it's not as if they're complete studs. So this would be another opportunity to see is Eckler's workload going to change for the rest of the season. If, if you know, with Herbert injured, you would think that they would rely on the running game a little bit more. So let's see if uh, this is the week that changes that. Yeah. All right, Frank, on to the Bears and the Giants. What are we looking at All right. here? Let's start with the Bears. And, oh, man, what a frustrating experience it's been if you roster any of their pass catchers, namely Darnell Mooney, who had a great rookie season. I mean, sorry, he had a great year two season. Uh, he has, like, virtually hardly any opportunity for – like, hardly anyone else is there for targets. We thought he was going to get heavily targeted. But this team just does not pass the ball. Justin Fields, 17, 11, and 17 attempts. Obviously, you got to think that'll increase to some degree. But it's clear they just want to run the shit out of the football. And that's horrible news for Darnell Mooney, especially because this offense is not good. Look at this game log. Two catches for 23 yards. One catch for minus four yards. One catch for eight yards. That is gross. And it's not reflective of Mooney as a player. It's reflected, reflective of a horrendous situation. If you drafted Mooney, you likely took him in around the sixth round. And if you have only... If you're one of those leagues stuck back in time that only plays in five bench spots, like the one with Carlos and I with our buddies from high school, you could absolutely drop Mooney at this point, especially, you know, there could be guys on your wire like a 
some some te- some leagues have Khalil Herbert still available, and he looks phenomenal. That's a teammate. That's a Bears teammate that you want to you would absolutely make the swap for. Uh, Herbert is rostered in fifty percent of Yahoo leagues. He's been terrific when called upon. They definitely need to use him more, even if Montgomery plays. But yeah, this Bears offense in terms of the passing game is just ugly as hell. Looking at the Giants, one of my home run calls of the year is already hit. It's already cleared the fence. It's been a no doubter, not even a wall scraper. Like this is the type that you bat flip off of after making content contact. Sorry. And that's Saquon Barkley. He's an elite RB1. He might be the overall RB1 right now. Looks absolutely explosive. I was watching that Monday Nighter, and he barely left the field. He he left for like three snaps, and a couple of which were because he was being tended to on the sidelines. Just a massive role. Uh, each game, like each of his three games, the series had four or more targets. Uh, he has a 68-yard run on under his belt. He had that really nice 36-yard touchdown run. And the Giants play pretty up-tempo, even though their offense isn't that good. And because they have such deficiencies at wide receiver, now sadly Sterling Shepard once again out for the season, tore his ACL, they got to just depend on Barkley. And now he takes on a Bears run defense that got gashed by Aaron Jones, got gashed by Damian Pierce, Elijah Mitchell was running well against them in week one before he got hurt. Barkley looks like the top option at running back this week. Elite, elite, elite. That was the slogan of one of our NFC teams where we're where we took a quarterback extremely high and a tight end extremely high. But our first pick was Saquon. And one thing that we just kept speaking into existence was that, hey, we got the RB1, tight end one, and QB1. And it, it's really looking as... We we had some conversations in the offseason where when we look at running backs, in terms of the second second half of the first round running backs, even early second, where Saquon was going near the end of August, you see that out of all of the backs, the only one with that potential to do make that Jonathan Taylor leap was Saquon because of his usage, the improved offense in general, the the scheme at, at least, even though it's not exciting, it's still improved. And you had a discount because of people of the injury history that kept people way off of him. So of course. We have to see this throughout the rest of the season. But as of week three, it's looking like a complete smash and that there's going to be really no one in that tier of running backs in the late first round that's going to compete with him in terms of uh, value for your pick. Totally agree. And also Darnell Mooney, my goodness, I'm looking at the Bears like advanced receiving stats, and I see 37 routes run. Oh, my goodness. It's so ugly. It's I can't believe they're doing that to this poor guy. I can't believe it's gotten uglier after Matt Nagy and not better. I know. Unbelievable. Next, we have the Seahawks and Lions. We just mentioned 
Rashad Penny earlier. How do we feel about this week going into the Lions? Well, Rashad Penny, no doubt, has been frustrating. He's been a whiff of mine so far. But my thing is, it's not like he's playing bad. Like You watch him run. He, he's making nice runs. He's averaging 4.4 yards per carry. He has 60 yards in two, game, in two of his games. You look at that week three game, that first drive, he had like four carries for 35 yards. They just, I don't know what has gone on. They're abandoning the run. Like, Geno Smith attempted 44 passes last week. Rashad Penny had 14 carries. Kenneth Walker had three carries. What are you doing? Like, I don't understand. Your your defense is atrocious. I understand Lockett and Metcalf are great receivers, but you need to run the ball more to keep that defense off the field. I, I it just boggles my mind. They have they've been more pass heavy than the Bengals so far. It's absurd with Geno Smith. Uh, I'm still holding out hope that Rashad Penny will provide RB2 value. That's top 24 for the balance of the season. He's just not being used enough now. Now, this is a game that profiles as a really good matchup for him. I know the Seahawks are six-point underdogs, but the Lions have really struggled in run defense. And last year, Rashad Penny ran for 170 yards on this defense. They got to run the football. Uh, the Lions have actually also been pretty decent against the pass. Like former first rounder Jeff Okuda has been very good. He just locked down Justin Jefferson for one of his worst games of his career. And prior to that, he played well against Terry McLaurin. And he really shut down Devonta Smith in week one. He was held off the score sheet. Zero yards. So. I think they really need to run the ball here. I'm going to give Penny another chance. I think he'll have a nice week. And interesting enough, I just saw that on the score bet, the spread went down to four and a half. Pretty interesting there. Line movement. So I'm still ranking Rashad Penny in the top 20 this week. We will see what happens. The The silver lining here is he played over 65% of the snaps. He handled 70% of the rush attempts in week three. So this isn't like... He's totally splitting with Kenneth Walker. They got to feed their two best backs. So that means stop giving the ball to Travis Homer. He's now hurt. Then they use DJ Dallas. Stop doing this. This is ridiculous. You you drafted Kenneth Walker in the second round. You re-signed Rashad Penny. And now you're using DJ Dallas in hurry up. Get at, like, wake up. Play your best players. Anyways, still holding out hope there. Looking at the Lions... We're going to talk about DeAndre Swift. It's a, DeAndre Swift. It's a shame that he's once again banged up because he looked amazing so far this year. And their offensive line is terrific. Penny Sewell looks like an absolute stud at right tackle. Looks like Swift is going to be out a couple weeks opening up the door for Jamal Williams, who is going to likely thrive behind this great offensive line and be a very good RB2, maybe even high end in some weeks, such as this one. Last week, 20 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns, two catches, 20 yards. Great workload, good efficiency. He's been used in the red zone in an improved offense. You love what you see. Sneaky pickup, especially in deep leagues like NFFC or FFPC, whichever one, or FFWC. And that's Craig Reynolds, the third string running back on the Lions. 
Reynolds now would be the number two with Swift on the on the shelf. And Reynolds played pretty well last season. Let's go back. Let's turn back to last year. Let's look at his game log. He was effective when he had to lead, lead the way. Just pulling it up right now. We look at the game log from last season. And, you know, he had that game against the Cardinals, 26 carries, 112 yards. Previous to that, against the Broncos, 11 carries, 83 yards. So the offensive line's improved. Uh, he, he's a sneaky pickup. We saw how well Jamal Williams was as the RB2. So with that offensive line, you'd think at least he'd have some sort of fantasy relevance coming into next week. And like maybe even further, that's a nice little sleeper there. But also going back to Rashad Penny and DJ Dallas, like do you really like DJ Dallas has a yards per carry of seven? Frank, seven. It's only three rush attempts, but at the same time, maybe that's what Pete Carroll sees. I don't know what what he sees, I think, to be honest. But I think it's like he thinks he's – I guess he trusts Dallas and Homer in pass protection and not enough with Walker and Penny. But, like, come on. When you're – I don't understand. they got to run the ball. That's, that's the bottom line. Even if it means Penny getting 15 carries and Walker getting 10, they got to be more run heavy. This Geno Smith dropping back 40 times, checking it down, even though he's playing pretty well, I, I'm surprised with how well he's playing. It's like, it's just not a good mix for their team, the way they're, they're built. They need to hide their deficiencies on defense. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a sustainable way to play for, for Seattle. And we know how Pete Carroll usually likes to play so we'll see what happens we'll see we'll see what happens but let's move on to another homecoming of sorts for the eagles they have doug peterson coming back to philadelphia with his high flying jags how are you liking this matchup frank well for one let's talk about the spread i think six and a half is too much for the eagles eagles are amazing i love them coming in they're really delivering on preseason hype they look phenomenal but six and a half feels just a tad high for the Jaguars uh, because Jacksonville they're really making me look good and calling them the surprise team their defense has been much improved they just back-to-back statement wins one twenty-four nothing against the Colts the next 38 to 10 against the Chargers like that's highly impressive even if Herbert was hurt so I think this will be a close game in Doug Peterson's return to Philly. You know, we can't really measure this. It's a bit intangible. We're not in the locker room, but it's pretty common sense that the team, the players are buying into Doug Peterson. You got, you bet your ass they're going to play their, play their hearts out for him in his return to Philly. I, I know people will say, oh, you can't measure that. It's pretty, pretty common sense. And it happens all the time in sports. I think it will here as well. I think we'll have a really close game. Not to say Jacksonville will necessarily win. It'll just be close and go down to the wire. And looking at them, I've talked enough about Trevor Lawrence. He He's a top 12 option every week. He's got so much upside. They're really airing it out. He's playing phenomenal. So I'm not going to 
talk too much about him here. I'm going to talk about their backfield. It's just amazing what James Robinson is doing so far. Scored a touchdown in every game, including two in week one. Had his most efficient game on the ground, 17 for 100 against the Chargers. Uh, I got this backfield totally wrong. I thought Robinson would struggle coming off the Achilles. I thought Travis Etienne would play more of a role, but it's been the Robinson show. Having said that, while I will rank Robinson as a high-end RB2, I'm not giving up on Etienne yet. He looks explosive when he gets the ball. He's gotten at least three catches in the last two games. I think, you know, in, in games where they're playing from behind, like they could in this one, we could see more of Etienne as he does goes to work in the passing game. I would try to still buy low on him because I think he could really deliver as the season goes on. Looking at Philly, uh, we knew A.J. Brown was a stud coming in. We loved him. We got to give our hat tip to Devonta Smith. My my goodness, did he ever shred that Washington secondary? Eight catches, 169 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he looks great. The concern with him was people were worried that the Eagles would be run heavy, and how could they support all these weapons? Well, that's not the case. We we've been telling you all summer that a team doesn't go out and trade for AJ Brown and go back to run heavy tendencies. They're airing it out. Jalen Hurts is playing like an MVP candidate. Devonta Smith looks like, at worst, a high-end wide receiver three rest of the season. Got to love what you're seeing from him in year two. The most important thing, I think, from him, you said that he was torching their defense. It was also these contested catches that he was making. And that really showed you what he's really capable of. You know, after that week one, I, even myself, I was a little down on him just because of the fact that are they going to be able to sustain him enough to get the usage that you would want in like even a wide receiver three. But now we're seeing two weeks in a row schemed up to get him the ball. And now next week, it's looking like a possible Dallas Goddard injury. It might be just complete wheels up for Devontae once again, and he can keep his great season going because he's going to be, I think, the benefits of having A.J. Brown not only shut, like taking most of the coverage away from him, but also just teaching him the small subtleties. He mentioned what he mentioned. Um, some of the things that Brown has taught him throughout the throughout the off season in how to how to beat coverage, how to you know they have a, a term uh, it's his ball or nobody's ball, and you can see how how tough he goes up for those catches. And I'm really excited for his fantasy outlook for the rest of the season. And in, oh, terms, yeah. of, in terms of the Jags, I think you're right. He hit the nail on the head with. I know it's an intangible thing, but. The fact that these players, they all know how how Doug got fired. It wasn't as if he was war. It was warranted. Sure, the offense was getting a little little stale, but at the same time, you see what Carson Wentz has done. You see what he's done in the past two years without Doug Peterson. How he hasn't taken to coaching. How he's treated his teammates off the field. Like on record, he sounds like a the greatest person on the planet. But for some reason, his teammates don't like him. And his teammates would rather have Matt Ryan 
spinning the ball to him <laughs> and giving like these examples of why Matt Ryan is a better passer than him. So it kind of shows you what he was dealing with. And I just think he was the guy that, that had to fall on the sword, had to take, there was, there were some interviews watching. It was, you felt so bad for the guy because he's burning inside getting these questions that he's not at fault for, but you know, you could talk about the picks that Howie Roseman has taken or even the complete just mess that these uh, the Wentz reports of like players, like I mentioned before, talking like the most likely Alshon Jeffrey complaining about Wentz all that time. And you saw that stir in the locker room and everything. And now you're watching the Eagles completely sore. It's such a, it's like bittersweet. It must be tough for him to watch them succeed so much with, uh, with Hertz, but at the same time, he's got he's got a great quarterback now. He's got a nice situation with a team that no one expected to do anything, and it's looking like a a true comeback story for him. Yeah, Frank, let's get on to the Jets and the Steelers. We had uh, Garrett Wilson took a nice little shot midway through that game. It looked like he would be done, but he came back. How do you feel about this game and uh, maybe Garrett Wilson this week? Well, we'll start with Garrett Wilson. Uh, still had 10 targets in that game. He's just an absolute stud. The big question is how will the offense look with Zach Wilson likely returning? And I know people like to point at the, at the fact that uh, Zach Wilson, you know, he really struggled as a rookie. But let's, let's get it straight. This is a guy that went in the top three. He has all the tools. He has a cannon of an arm. He's mobile. He now adds Garrett Wilson to go with Elijah Moore. He, he gets Brees Hall out of the backfield, too. Like, this is a nice supporting cast. And being mobile could help make up for the deficiencies in the offensive line that the Jets may have. And, you know, it's not like Flacco was playing well. He was, it was just all volume. He's just checking it down a lot. He had that game comeback against the Browns, but still. He wasn't good overall. I think what's going to happen here is that, you know, Wilson is more of a gunslinger. This is better news for the wide receivers like Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, whereas the running backs like Brees Hall and Michael Carter are getting fed with targets. We can expect that to decrease with Zach Wilson back because, like I said, he's more mobile. He's not that statue quarterback that'll check it down. He's going to look for the big play more often than not. Also, it will likely hurt Conklin, the tight end, who's been getting heavy volume. I think we'll start to see the receivers really be more consistent, namely Elijah Moore, who led the team in air yards last week. He had, like, I believe it was over 180. Talked about those air yards when you see them and heavy targets. Talked about Olave. That's a way to find that sneaky receiver who could have that big week coming up ahead. I know Elijah Moore has been frustrating, but better days are ahead. Looking at the Steelers, what are they waiting for? Like, bench Mitch Trubisky, man. Like, this is just ugly. Uh, they need to play their first-round pick, Kenny Pickett. Uh, the offense is ugly until they do that. The only startable players are Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson. Maybe if you're desperate, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, you got to be concerned with Najee Harris because it's not like last year where he's, like, never leaving the field. They have Jalen Warren, who's looked pretty good as a backup. Make sure he is not on your wires because 
if Harris were to miss time, and hey, he's been bagged up for much of the year, uh, Jalen Warren would be immediately a top 20 option because we all know how Mike Tomlin likes to feed his running back. He looked explosive with his opportunities, especially he. one thing was good to note where he seemed to, they seemed to spell him in certain drives as opposed to just giving it to uh as opposed to just giving it to Najee every every single drive you saw him get like his own drive see how he would work as their lead running back going back to air yards and Mitch Trubisky it's a real shame to see Deontay at 384 for the season and him battling to put up 50 yards a week it's it really hurts my soul when I see things like that because yeah. it just it seems like the answer's there but we just keep getting the same song over and over again and you know back to Elijah Moore if Zach Wilson isn't going to help him you know this has got to be the week we said last week that last week was got to be the week but <laughs> I think I think I think with uh Mr. Uh, Mr. Wilson back that must that he's going to chuck it deep. He must. That's what he does. That's his thing. Yeah. Exactly. And... To... Well, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I'm saying especially it's either going to be his team or the other team that he's chucking it up to. So he doesn't really care. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, the point is, it's at that. I know it's frustrating, especially if you're 0-3, especially if you're sixth rounder, fifth rounder, even earlier fourth rounder is struggling. You feel compelled to make a trade, shake it up. You lose patience, but it's still only three games. So what if Moore goes off for six and a buck 22 and, like, he's right back to, you know, like for his overall production, it still would be decent. So, like, don't give up just yet. I'm hopeful. And the Jets, uh, the Steelers, it's not like they've been so great in stopping receivers. Amari Cooper just went off for 100 yards on them. I believe Minka Fitzpatrick, his status is in question this week. And uh, TJ Watt is still out. Yeah, like Minka Fitzpatrick's in concussion protocol, so he may not play. So that opens up more opportunities for um, this passing game. It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, Zach Wilson plays. Exactly. So if you have those, those wide receivers, hold, hold, hold. Hey, we have the Browns and the Falcons, Frank. Amari Cooper looking like an every week wide receiver one slash two. How do you yeah. feel? How do you feel? Well, I have to say, I am impressed with with what the Browns offense has been able to do without Deshaun Watson. Like they they could easily be three and zero right now. Jacoby Brissett, his last two games has been pretty solid. Twenty two of twenty seven, two hundred twenty nine yards against the Jets. Twenty one of thirty one, two hundred twenty yards, two touchdowns against the Steelers. It makes me think, like when Deshaun Watson comes back. This offense could be very, very good. And you mentioned Amari Cooper. Wow. Back-to-back 100-yard games. Did not expect this. And, yeah, like you said, he's an every-week wide receiver, too, going forward right now. 
because this because of the offensive line being so good and the running game being so efficient, this offense is still pretty good with Jacoby Brissett. So you got to make sure Cooper's locked into your lineups moving forward. On to the Falcons. We got to talk Kyle Pitts again. Finally showed signs of life last week. Five catches, 87 yards. Could have been a much bigger game. Why? Well, for one, no small pass downfield. Secondly, Mariota only attempted 20 passes last week because they were so they were able to be highly effective on the ground. And, you know, the, the Seahawks, like, they couldn't stop Cordero Patterson. And Algier looked pretty good. So Mariota's not going to attempt 20 passes every week. He's going to get to 25-30. And you love that. You love how Pitts led them in air yards and target share. Uh, one more note, Drake London, get him in your lineups. He's a stud. Another game, another solid performance. Even in a game where he only had six targets, he still found the end zone. So you got to be happy with him. He's going to be something special, and he already is putting up some fine numbers. But it is good to see Kyle Pitts get that bounce-back game in him, and hopefully from here on out, we start seeing more and more production from this offense. You know, you might as well just feed your beasts and you have two mammoths, like huge players. I think that this is what the Falcons are going to be doing from here on out. And also back to the Browns, like you said, when Watson comes back, this is going to be something to witness. And if you're a Browns fan, you're definitely excited. That's for sure. With all the turmoil you had to deal with over the past however many years, not to mention what's been going on this year, to see a team stay solid, run the ball, and gain success even in the air with with Jacoby Brissett. It's nice to see Cleveland rocking finally. (laughs) All right, we got the Colts and Titans, Frank. Big AFC South matchup. How's this one looking for you? Yeah, big game. Uh, We'll talk about Michael Pittman Jr., who looks great as a top 15 receiver. He's just really delivering in his two games this season. Nine catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Eight catches, 72 yards. You got to love what you're seeing out of him. And this could be a huge game for Jonathan Taylor as the Titans are struggling to stop the run. Looking at Tennessee... One thing I really liked in week three, I was a week early. I bet on Derrick Henry's over receiving yards in week two. He did nothing. Then they this week, they got him involved there. He had uh, five catches for 58 yards, so six targets. That's what they got to do. Get him the ball and get him on a swing pass. When he picks up steam, he's virtually unstoppable. If he's having trouble running it up the gut, try to do that. And... Uh, so you got to be encouraged with what you saw against the Raiders. One thing is uh, they didn't target Traylon Burks enough in week three. He only had one catch for 13 yards, but I'm still hopeful about the rookie. He's really flashed in limited action this year. If for some reason he was dropped in your league, be sure to scoop him. And his usage is, well, what wasn't a bit improved, but you want to see more sustainability from him. 
And it's a shame that we don't see that from the outset that we'll have to wait for the, those big yards like we see from Olave and London and Wilson. And we might have to wait till maybe midseason to see the true Traylon Burks in this offense. Yeah, Frank, Frank, let's go to your commanders and the Cowboys. How is this? Is Wentz going to bounce back this week? I'm going to say no, because the problem is past. Well, obviously, part of the problem is he's erratic, but a major problem right now is their pass protection. And even though after week two, I thought, you know, his outlook for the whole season as a viable streamer and maybe top 15 fantasy quarterback is still in play. I think that is still in play. I just don't like this matchup against the Cowboys because their pass rush is very scary. Like Micah Parsons is an absolute monster. The Cowboys sacked Daniel Jones, <laughs> excuse me, five times on Monday night. That was following a six sack game against Joe Burrow. Now we look at Wentz. The Eagles sacked him nine times. The Lions, prior to that, sacked him five times. The Commanders have been shut out in back-to-back games in the first half. They're going to have some problems with this Dallas defense. Uh, I'm not really excited about their passing game. Uh, the, The most reliable right now, as crazy as it is to say, would be Curtis Samuel because... He gets those underneath targets. So when Wentz is under duress, like he likely will be this week, you could see him dump it off to Samuel. So you got to love his usage. Um, But overall, it's going to be a tough one for them. Looking at the Cowboys, it's crazy because after week one in one league where I have C.D. Lamb, I'm like, damn, this this stack injury is really going to catapult his his value. He'll just be like a – a wide receiver two type, but you love the volume with Cooper Rush so far, keeping uh, Lamb's value afloat. Like he's had double digit targets in both Cooper Rush starts. Last game, eight catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Dak is likely back in like week six, week seven, maybe week eight at the latest. So it's wheels up for Lamb. And I love him this week because. Washington's pass defense continues to be a mess. Devonta Smith over 160 yards against them. Uh, the year, week before, Amon Ross St. Brown popped off. The defense is a mess, and Lamb should have a big game. Especially early in that game, it looked like he was uh, he was gonna. Well, he dropped that pass and didn't look too well, but. They oh just, yeah, but like you you said, they just keep feeding him regardless, and it's nice, especially with the draft capital used on him, to to know that even though his quarterback is is out, he can still sustain some some viability as as an option, right? To to have to have him get over 80 yards, a touchdown, and a great touchdown at that, it gives you yeah. hope for the rest of the season, at least until Dak comes out. Like Cooper rushes, hey, maybe Jerry Jones is right. He's excited for this uh, quarterback controversy if they keep winning. <laughs> anyway, Frank, we're going to go to the Bills and the Ravens. An exciting game on paper. A lot of fantasy 
to talk about in this one? What are you who are you looking at specifically? Well, let's talk about Stefan Diggs, who I have as my top receiver this week. I, I thought the Ravens would improve in pass defense, but it has not been the case this year. We saw uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell each put up 160 on them. And then they, they give up 156 yards to Devontae Parker. This this pass defense is a mess. And they get to face Stefan Diggs now. I think he could go off. If Gabriel Davis, keep, keep an eye on his patch, uh, practice reports. Hopefully he's a bit... Uh, back up to speed this time around because he, he wasn't himself last week. He could really get loose in this game. So it's really wheels up. I mean, every week is great for Buffalo's pass offense. They're among the best in football. But this is a really good matchup. Looking at the Ravens, well, Lamar Jackson, you called it. Like you said after week one, uh, he's going to just go ham in this contract year. And he's basically performing like a QB1 and RB1 wrapped into one. Wow. Like him, Hurts, and Josh Allen are in their own tier. They're way ahead of every other fantasy quarterback this season. Um, he's going to have to run wild because the Bills are still good against the pass, even with all those injuries. So I'm I'm putting – I've learned my lesson now. Lamar Jackson, the lowest I'm going to rank him is three. And this week he's ranked three because he's facing the Bills – and Jalen Hurts and, and Josh Allen have better matchups. But, wow, got to love what you're seeing out of Lamar. I love it. I love seeing Lamar explode like he is just because he is always the, the scapegoat of a conversation. If he ever he fails in a playoff game, it's like this is why you can't have a running quarterback as your number one. It's like, okay, this guy's going to be in the MVP conversation again. And, you know, watching Deshaun Watson get that massive guaranteed contract, why not just give it give it to him, copy and paste, just send it to Lamar, and that's the end of it. But they had their own issues or whatever whatever situation was going on with, uh, with them over there. But you could see he's got his mind settled. He's not overthinking anything. He's just playing like he knows how to play, and that's great football. So I'm excited, and I'm – as a Mark Andrews owner, I'm very, very happy at the way his target distribution is. Makes me very excited for the rest of the season on this Ravens offense. And oh, yeah. Like, wow. Mark Andrews, that's the other thing. I'm glad you mentioned him. He's the he's he's ahead of Kelsey now. There's no question. He leads the NFL in target share. Not even just tight ends. The NFL, including receivers. He, his air yards, I think he's like second. So his role is great. He's ahead of Kelsey now. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a machine. And he's clearly the most, he's Lamar's favorite option, his safest option. Like he, when he shoots it down the field, it's to Mark Andrews. When he's in a pinch and he needs to throw it to anybody, he's lobbing it to Mark Andrews. For, and it's, he even had like a nice one handed catch and then catch and run, just bulldozing people. He's a, He's a machine. But Frank, we're going to go on to the Cardinals and the Panthers. This Cardinals team is looking, ugh, well, the Panthers. Oh, are, my God. They both are not looking good, but what, yeah. are we, what are we picking out in this game? Well, we look at the Cardinals and, you know, the Panthers have had a tough pass defense, but 
Obviously, you're not benching Mar- Marquise Brown. He had 17 targets last week. You love the volume. It just it might not be that type of he. It's going to be tough for him to really hit his ceiling in this game. This is a tougher matchup. But I want to talk about DJ more. Like Baker Mayfield is ruining this guy's season. Inaccurate, not targeting him. Unbelievable, really. Like DJ Moore is a very good player. That's the thing. Uh, I got to believe, though, this is. For me, I'm giving him one last chance to start on the leagues where I have him. Like, I loved him coming into the year. I actually thought Mayfield would be a good fit for him, but that has definitely not been the case. But, you know, the Cardinals' pass defense has not been good this season. In week one, they got shredded by uh, Mahomes. In week two, Derek Carr did pretty did pretty well on them. Um, but, you know, they you always love, like we say, after such a slow game, they try to get their top receiver involved. And DJ Moore only had two receiving yards. So, like, after this week, he, he has to take on, uh, you know, the uh, San Francisco 49ers. That's a tough matchup. So, I- I'm going to give him this week to start one more time. But, man, is it ever frustrating. Like, Baker Mayfield, wake up, buddy. It's so strange watching Baker play, too. It- You'd think that he'd improve that offense, but he just randomly tucks it and runs and takes off, does these things that Baker Mayfield should probably not be doing at all. Yeah. Like you said, DJ Moore is not a bad wide receiver. So it it must be that he's just not even getting looked at. He's just kind of trying to evade pressure. And I don't know. He's doing what he did to Becca, OBJ. That's what he's doing. Yeah, that's basically what he's doing. And now we now we see it for what it what it is. Now we see it. Surprising. No wonder they didn't. Darnold almost made it a a QB competition in the offseason. Yeah, seriously. But let's just go on to the Broncos and Raiders, Frank. Broncos and Raiders. The Broncos. To say that Russ makes me sick is an understatement. Go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think this is actually a game where we could finally see Russell Wilson uh, deliver in what should have should be a good situation. The Raiders' uh, defense hasn't really been that good against the pass. Ryan Tannehill threw for 264 yards on only 27 attempts last week. Robert Woods had four catches for 85 yards. So you got to love the outlook here for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Derrick Henry also did well against them. So even uh, Javante Williams could get going and maybe Melvin Gordon could find the end zone and give you a decent flex week. But the thing that's most frustrating here is why is Mike Boone playing? Like these coaches are unbelievable, truly. You have Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon and you're bringing in Mike Boone for 19% of the snaps? What are you doing? It just boggles my mind. Play one of your two uh, quality backs there. Like I, It's ridiculous. Looking at the Raiders, Devontae Adams has had consecutive slow weeks. Not worried about him because I think, you know, they'll have to air it out. He'll get going. I was shocked to see Darren Waller perform so poorly last week. Three catches, 22 yards with Hunter Renfro out. You know, game he had, the game before he had six for 50 and a touchdown. 
Mac Hollins was the one who went off. I tweeted this out. He's like another Travis Fulgham. He'll just this is it's hard to see him just becoming this productive fantasy player in year five after he I, I said this on another show. He's already set a career high in receiving yards at two forty. So like it's just hard to see him being viable. Uh if if Renfro is out again, you gotta think either Adams or Waller has a nice game here. Matt Collins started his career Philadelphia. Yeah. Another fantastic let go of ours, but it's it's kind of nice to see him produce and because like become relevant after all these years. I think he was on the practice squad and the Dolphins and you know scored I think like four touchdowns last year, surprisingly. But you know, the this offense I get a little worried with with Darren Waller now, just from the fact that this was an opportunity for him to establish that short intermediate uh area and space for the for Derek Carr, but like you said, just over thirty yards didn't really you know, this this seemed like the play, but we'll see how it goes on from here. But it definitely was not exciting to see that in a game basically scripted for him, he didn't come out on top of anything. Yeah. Frank, Frank, let's do the Patriots and Packers. Well, Mac Jones is going to be out for this game. Brian Hoyer will start. Bad news against a good Packers defense. It's getting better as the year goes along. They did great against the Bucks uh, last week. This looks like a Packers blowout. Don't start any Patriot unless uh, you know you're in a pinch at RB two. You go with Ramondre Stevenson, who you gotta like his usage last week. Twelve carries. He also had five targets. So we could see a lot of checkdowns to him as they play from behind against Green Bay. Looking at the Packers, I'm going to talk about two things. Number one, being that they're 10.5-point home favorites, this is a great game for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They should just get a ton of work as the Packers play with the lead here. But the biggest development here is it's starting. We're getting clarity on their pass catchers. Romeo Dubs is establishing himself, caught all eight of his targets for 73 yards and a touchdown. It's looking like him and Lazard as the main boys here. Got to like Robert Tunyon seeing seven targets. That's nice to see as well. Uh, we're starting to get more clarity here. And, you know, with the Packers being 10.5-point favorites, that means their implied total is around 25 points. You could see Aaron Rodgers have a better game. If he was dropped in your league, I wouldn't mind grabbing him now that we're seeing – dubs emerge and you know as the year goes along they'll have um more shootouts like their offense I th- i'd say will get better as the year progresses so he could be a guy you could stash on your bench like for example in my league with you carlos i have trevor lawrence who i love but rogers was surprisingly dropped i'm gonna try to get him because hey it's night i know we don't like having two quarterbacks but Week to week, when you when you don't have that cemented starter like I do with Lawrence, even though I think he'll be that, it's not a guarantee. It's nice to have a Rodgers there. Yeah, even in our other league with Lawrence, 
one of the main things that we tried to establish was getting a second quarterback that on a week-to-week basis might challenge Lawrence for as a better play. So Exactly. It makes sense. You go with Rodgers. It's nice to see what Dubs has been doing. And hopefully as the weeks progress, his role increases and he just solidifies himself as that wide receiver one and really takes uh, a lot of those teams that maybe reached on him in drafts look look like geniuses, realistically. Yeah. All right. Sunday night, we got the Chiefs and the Bucks. How's this Chiefs looking for us here, Frank? And the Bucks. I think this is the week where we finally, like Tom Brady delivers a strong fantasy performance. They're going to have to air it out to keep pace with the Chiefs. Mike Evans will be back from suspension. Uh, Russell Gage showed signs of life last week. He had a great game. 12 catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, so I think they'll be able to move the ball better th- this week. The theme of the week for me is we're going to see those veteran big names ha- start to produce in, in Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, looking at the Chiefs, well, for one, I tweeted after Eric Benemi said that he'd, he'd use Sky Moore uh, more, no pun intended. I said he'd be maybe a sneaky waiver pickup. All I mean is that you pick him up, see if that comes to fruition, see if he plays more. If he doesn't, you drop him. He didn't, so sayonara, he's gone. Got to be concerned with the fact that he's not earning more playing time. But looking at the Chiefs, uh, we're we're looking right. Carlos, uh, Juju is the guy there. Don't be too concerned about that receiving core. Five catches, 89 yards. He had eight targets. That gives him over 75 yards in two of his three games. People got sour because that really ugly game, three for catches for 10 yards. But this happens with receivers. You have to understand that. So you got to like Juju going forward, especially the efficiency. Like we're, we've grown accustomed to him getting those, you know, six catches for 59 yard games with Ben Roethlisberger. Well, this game, 17.8 yards per reception. You got to like that. He's being targeted more downfield. They'll be more efficient. Uh, last note, CH, everyone on Twitter is saying to sell high on him because his fantasy points have him as an RB1, but he only had seven carries. He hasn't topped, he hasn't gotten over eight carries in any game this year. His highest number of opportunities in a game is 12 so yeah he's not being used enough but i mean who's gonna buy high on him when uh, people aren't stupid they're gonna look more than just looking at the points and see hey ch yeah he has this many points but he's not getting a lot of usage so i'm not gonna give you like a, a, a player getting more volume for him i digress well also on to that point it's not as if like he, he seems productive with his carries, but the running game in general is not looking good. The offense looks like it might need a spark. Maybe yeah. they'll go, maybe they'll blow up this week, but hey, like I said, as a Isaiah Pacheco truther, sooner or later the bell's gonna ring. 
I think. I think this is what you're seeing, all these low carry numbers. Maybe they're just worried about using him too much. Maybe they just want to preserve preserve him. It's still early. We'll wait and see. But like you said about Sky Moore, hey, cut that guy. It's not worth it. No. Every week. I wanna... might be... Go ahead, Frank. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your finish it i just was eager to say one thing go ahead well it seemed like with every week it would be somebody different but i don't think that the chiefs are going to have that luxury so as much as mahomes wants to imagine a year where he's just going to pass to everybody he might need to pass to his to the jujus kelsey's feed the sure-handed guys exactly i'm really happy you said that because that's leads into what I'm about to say. The Chiefs, yes, they destroyed the Cardinals when they didn't have J.J. Watt and they had no pass rush on Mahomes. Look at the last two weeks. They've scored 20 and 17 points. Shocker. They're feeling the loss of of one of the best receivers in the NFL and Tyreek Hill. Shocker. Like, Mahomes is, you know, last two weeks hasn't really been great in fantasy. This is what I was talking about when I said Burrow over Mahomes this year. You're going to start to see the Chiefs show some vulnerability on offense. You know, their pass catchers aren't great. And I love what you said. Because of the, they can't just spread it around. Hardman is not good. MBS is not good. He's just a, a number four option number at best, you know. So they got to give it to their best players. And that's Juju and Kelsey. So... This is why I liked Juju as their top target. Obviously, Mahomes is still a top seven or so quarterback. But if you took him in the top four, you're you're gonna be disappointed throughout the year. Agreed. I think it's I think there was a lot of overreaction on week one. It's yeah. you know completely dominating. But as you see, slow slowly the offense is there's the hiccup. And it's nice to be honest with you. I'm to to see Tyreek talk like crazy all off season, and not even like in the in a demeaning way to to the the Chiefs or anything like that. He was just talking himself up of how great he is, and people are like, "No, but Patrick Mahomes, like you have Patrick Mahomes, like yeah, but I'm amazing, like I'm amazing at my job, and I'm about to go to Miami, and." Improve Jalen Waddle, improve Tua, and people are like, "Nah, nah, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You're you're without Mahomes." And then he's just clearly doing as he said, and it's it's wonderful to see that. It's wonderful to see a guy with that confidence just say it outright. This is what's going to happen. And now we're into week four, we're kind of seeing it happen. And Mahomes, well, you see, obviously he misses Tyreek. I think that's just clear. I think. As the as the fucking day is sunny, you know, like it's <laughs> Frank. We're on to the Monday nighter, the Rams and the Niners. Always a tough matchup. Is this going to be looking good for fantasy? I think it's going to be an ugly one for fantasy. Just I'm getting flashes to last year that primetime game in San Fran. The Niners just blew out the Rams. I think Stafford's going to really struggle in this game. San Fran can't fall to one and three. That'll be really bad. Jimmy Garoppolo played poorly against the Broncos, but I think he'll play 
he'll he'll turn in a better effort this time around. I already hit up the Niners minus one. It's now two and a half. Love to see that movement. That's a key. Quick tip. When you want to make these football bets, you don't want to wait till Sunday morning because that's when the market has adjusted to everything. Like they've adjusted to news, injuries, anything, weather. So you want to try to forecast on how it might move and beat it. For example, in this case, the Niners, this is a desperate game for them. I thought one is too low, especially given the fact that they won six in a row against the Rams. They, division rivals, sometimes they, they know their opponents so well, they play well against them. This is the case with the Niners. So I got ahead in that case. I gained one and a half points of value. So that's one key thing to look for when you're, when you're making a bet. Don't wait till Sunday morning. Try to beat, beat the market. Anyways, moving on. I, I In terms of fantasy, for the 49ers, it's tough to say which one will have a big game. You know, the Rams' defense has been good. Obviously, you're starting Debo. You're starting Kittle. Ayuk has, has played pretty well the last two games. He, he looks like a wide receiver three. Uh, really, I, I could see a big Debo game if I have to pick up the bunch. Just because, obviously, we, as we said, he gets an upgrade with Trey Lance sideline because Lance won't be taking away those carries. So I think this is a Debo game. Looking at the Rams, do not start start Matthew Stafford. This is a tough spot for him. The Niners' defense is very, very good. I wouldn't even start their running game at all because they're, the, the Niners' run defense has been locked down. I know... Javon, like we look at what the Broncos did. Javante, 12 carries, 58 yards, 3.9 yards per carry. Melvin Gordon averaged 2.2 yards per carry against them. We go further back. The Seahawks couldn't get a damn thing going on the ground. Penny averaged 2.5. Walker averaged 2.5. Going further back one more time. Look what David Montgomery did against this defense. 17 for 26. So do not start Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson in this game. And as much as you would like to, you know, we have Daryl Henderson in, in a in a league. It's looking tight in a game like this with that usage. You just kind of only real really feel safe with like Cooper Cup and maybe Allen Robinson. But I, I like how I like what you said about the line moving, getting those bets in early, taking advantage of that. Even the one and a half spread that could become huge for you. Who knows? And yeah, it's a, such a close game. San Fran's at home. They're gonna play just to, like you said, not to get to one and three because that would be really crippling, especially facing the Rams to make them go three and one. It's it's such a game oh, changer yes. for this season so exactly. they're gonna be going all out i want to say one more thing about that getting ahead like here's another good example uh monday night football i'm looking at the thursday night the thursday night game Bengals dolphins i see Bengals favored by three now we know three points getting at over like when the the difference between three and three and a half is enormous because when you have it at three you at least push if it's a field goal. When you have it at three and a half, you lose if your team wins by a field goal. I'm looking at Tua dealing with that injury, the back injury, he left and came back. 
I'm seeing it's a short week. I'm thinking, is it a lock that he even plays? I don't think it's a lock. I don't think it's a guarantee. So I hit up that three-point spread. What happened? It's now four. That's a huge difference. I know it's only one point, but it's a one point from a key number. Now if the Bengals win by a field goal, that's a losing bet. And we're not even done yet. If Tua doesn't play, that's going to move up even more. So that's the key. If I had waited till we knew everything, you're getting a much sharper line. It's much harder to beat. So that's what you want to do. Look right away, right when they come out, and then try to find the advantage before the market adjusts. Exactly. And I think not to beat on the Eagles, but hey, that six and a half point spread, you'd think that it might go down a bit leading up to game day. As yeah. these, uh, you know, the the movement in the line may come from some, you know, smart betting on the on the Jaguars, right? So Exactly. One more. Look at this. Last week we saw coming into the week, Justin Herbert. Rib injury, facing the Jags, spread opens at seven. When it becomes that Herbert's status is in doubt, it goes to three and a half for the Chargers. So you see, you have to try to gauge where it could go. Like, which games are most most vulnerable to a big change? And that's the case here. If we're looking at any others on this on this slate, I would say... I'm surprised the Packers haven't moved more from 10 and a half with Mac Jones out. But yeah, it just bottom line is you have to uh, try to get ahead. And you know what? On top of that Chargers game, I did hear some people say, you know, some betting analysts going on to shows saying, I don't really care. I think the Chargers at three is such a huge value and taking them with you know, like, I know that the line has moved, but the three, three and a half that you're getting for them, it seems like it's really great value. And it goes to show as good as the value may seem, there's a reason why it moved four points. Yeah, that's a great point. And I was guilty of that one week where, I see the Patriots two and a half point favorites on the road against the Steelers and the Patriots just got lost by double digits to the Dolphins. And I'm like, whoa, the Steelers home dogs here. I like it. But I made a mistake there. You have to pay attention. The, these, the odds makers are sharp. They know what they're doing. So when you see it looks fishy like that, it is, it is uh, something to consider. And in that case, odds makers were projecting that the Steelers they got lucky to beat the Bengals. They won the turnover battle plus five and only won by three. Uh, TJ Watt was out, so that was sharp on them. And that, as you as you continue to bet, you improve on things. And that's one instance where I have. And yeah, you always you, you got to look. You even look at the Chargers this week. Opened at five and a half. It's now five. Yeah, they're playing the Texans, but the Texans beat them last year. The Texans ran all over them. Chargers are dealing with so many injuries. They're going out east this week, too. Let's not forget that. Last week they were, you know, at, at home. Now they go out east to Houston with all these injuries. It just screams like another poor performance. So, but yeah, that's great talk about betting strategy. Exactly. And that's what we're here for. We're here to keep you sharp week to week. That's why the rundown exists. 
That's why we get here every week and we talk about these upcoming games. Frank, another great week, another great slate. Let's go win some games and make some money. Let's get it.